All right, we're going to go over this song that we sang last Sunday evening. It's a new one. Thank you, Lord. Matt, we need some words up there. I come to for you today, and there's just one thing that I want to say. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given to me, for all the blessings that I cannot see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with an outstretched arm, I will bless your name. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done in my life. You took my darkness and gave me your light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You took my sin and my shame. You took my taste and healed me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with outstretched arm, I will bless your name. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With outstretched arm, with outstretched heart, grateful heart. Start again. I'm getting mixed up here. That's Harold, you know. With a grateful heart, with a song of praise, with outstretched arm, I will bless your name. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Lord, thank you, Lord. Well, good evening. Are you awake out there? All right, set your timers to about 8.30. I should be done by then. <laughs> I'm just joking. Now, I could... Really, I could uh, sit here and talk for hours upon um, 
what I got to experience, what I got to see, and everything. And and I've got a lot of slides and pictures to show through, so we may go quickly through them. I'll um, hit on some highlights, but I will tell you this: that I probably the pictures you're going to see are probably maybe about an eighth of what I actually have. So <laughs> I, I try to pick out some of my favorites, some of the key points, and some things that you guys would know well of and everything as well. But before we get started, let's go before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for this day you've given us, this Lord's Day. The day we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we can worship you through song, through the opening of your word. And Father, tonight as you've given me the opportunity to share your land, the land that you walked, the land that you taught. Father, while there's so many things to see about this land, I just pray that through these pictures and through what I speak on concerning these pictures, that the church here will just catch a glimpse, Father, of what the land's all about and, Father, what you're all about. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this first slide, I kind of, one of the things that um, they were real good about, this group that uh, went on with GTI tours, this um, guy, you can't see him, uh, his name was Ronin. He's an Israeli Jew, born and raised in Israel, and um, that's what he does. He's a tour guide for GTI tours and lives and has his family over here. But how they got this tour set up, it, it's really kind of interesting, and it really, because at, at first I was getting frustrated. I was like, okay, well, we can get to the good stuff. Come on, let's just get bypass all this stuff. But I look back now, and I'm like, wow. This is one of our first days that we're here, and they're really kind of taking in the, lo- the lay of the land. In the background, you can see those trees. Guess what those trees are? Olive trees. Hey, guess what? Olive trees are everywhere in Israel, but this particular place is what we call Kirith Jerem. Um, now, if I mispronounced it, I'm sorry. Don't don't kill the messenger, but that's that's it. But Kirith Jerem. But understand this: in the in the Bible, in the you know in the Old Testament, we hear about Israel as being the land that is what flowing with milk and honey. Now, don't, you, don't hop on a plane and go over there because you aren't going to find uh, rivers of milk and honey flowing. That's not what it's talking about. But what it's talking about is they um, goats, lambs over there. That's where they get their milk of. And that, Israel is known for that. Also, where do they get their honey? Anybody know? Take a guess. No. Gosh, kids, you already know. So. Over there in Israel, they are known for their palm trees. You're like, wait, what? Palm trees in Israel? Yes, they do. They're called date palms. And that is where the honey comes from. And when, I, when, you, when you're driving down, uh, I had pictures of the palm, the orchards of, orchards of palm, but I, I don't know where they went, so I didn't, you're not going to see any. But they're just everywhere. And they're down there by the Dead Sea region. And it, it's crazy because they don't survive up in the northern part where it's green and lush. They survive down in the Dead Sea region part. But when the Bible talks about when the spies come back and say, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, my goodness. 
I, I, I did try some fresh dates. I'm not a date person, but I'll tell you this. If you ever get come across date honey, grab it. It's good. But, um, yes, so, so we're talking about this, but also there, it's a land flowing with pomegranates. It's uh, grapes. Uh, pomegranate jelly, I got to try some. It, it's amazing. I did get to see grapes. Uh, I did see a, um, Mac told me, he said, if you find bananas, get some bananas. Well, everything has a season, and this particular season, uh, they didn't have bananas. But we were standing on, uh, in the city in, um, um, not the, oh, my mind just went blank. Anyway, we were at, uh, standing, and I heard this chopping down. And there's this big old massive, like, tree, bush type deal in the middle of the city. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I saw this guy. We were looking, and he's cutting these leaves down. I'm like, what is he doing? It's bananas. And I kid you not, Mac, you've probably seen them. Those stalks are at least my height, taking at least two people. So when the Bible says that Israel is the land flowing with milk and honey, this is what brings it to life. The olive trees are everywhere. The, you know, pomegranates, the grapes, um, they also have wheat, you know, they have all these resources. Um, and some of these resources, uh, if I can find my notes, uh, they milk, honey, they bread made with wheat, wheat and barley, uh, olive, and the fig trees. You can't leave out the fig trees. But all this is their everyday life. And the one thing is about these olive trees that I found fascinating Inside the pods of the olives is a, um, uh, I forgot what it's called, but they use it to make ink. And they believe that's what it was used for the scribes to write God's word down. And so you're like, okay, why are we talking about this? Because why is the land of Israel so precious? Yes, it is part of God's people, but you also understand you know, what is going, even even today, what's going, what's going on all around the land of Israel? Wars. Everybody wants Israel. The Palestinians want Israel. The Syrians want Israel. The Arabs want Israel. Everybody wants Israel. And when you understand the lay of the land, and, and, and one of the phrase that uh, uh, our God said it was often was conquer the land. And that's what we did. We went and conquered the land. We understood about the culture of the land. And what they did and everything. And I will tell you this much. You have not had bread until you go to Israel. It is amazing. All right, you go to the next slide, Matt. Uh, I'm just going to ki uh, uh, hit on some key points. Um, this right here was one of my favorite places. This is actually what we call En Gedi. I could spend days upon days upon days in this. This is one of the many waterfalls that En Gedi has. Um, you can scroll through. I think there's a couple more for En Gedi. Um, but this is, if I, if, if I want to label En Gedi more than anything, is an oasis right in the middle of the desert. Remember Israel, if you look at Israel, Israel is, um, I think they said three quarters desert. So this is an oasis. I mean, clear water flowing, but this En Gedi area, and you, there's some other pictures you can keep scrolling through it, I'll tell you when to stop, uh, but stop right there real quick, 
But this, uh, there's, two, there's two stories that we see from this that you are familiar with. One of them, and there's some pictures later on, but I want to stop here. One of them is, you remember the story of uh, Elijah? And he defeated the prophets of Baal. And then what did he do? He ran because Jezebel was after him, right? This is where he went. And um, that little tree, that, that's little actually, you know, not the tree where I'm sitting by. Oh, I got, a, I got this little tool I guess I can sh- use. Right there. All right, so you right there, that little green bush deal. I think it's called, I forgot the name of it. I didn't write it down. I'm sorry. But it's kind of like a, uh, it's overgrown bush. But that's where, they, you know, uh, the type of bush that Eli would have, or Elijah would have hidden under to escape um, Jezebel. Now, and this is a wadi right here. So this would have been a brook at one time. And right now it's dry. It was when I was there, it was the rainy season. But as you can see, it was really dry. Um, and oftentimes they are praying for rain. But. It's fascinating to be able to go to Israel and hear about these stories that you've, you've heard, you learned about, Elijah, and, uh, okay, you can go to the next slide, but I wanted to make sure I hit on that real quick. Um, there's another, I think that's an Akai tree, uh, pretty cool tree, and this is out in the middle of the desert. And there's another bush right there, that's a better picture of that bush that Elijah would have hidden under and all that while he was sitting by the brook. Uh, see if you can go to the caves. There you go. All right. Uh, you can't see any right here. I think there's one right there. Can anybody tell me what this mu- story might have happened? Huh? Saul and David. That is it. All right, go back. Yeah, this is uh, part of En Gedi as well. But those are the caves that this is the area that happened where uh, you all know the story of Saul and David. Saul is uh, chasing after David's life. Um, he goes up into the caves. David comes out and he said, hey, Saul's chasing you. David goes up and he, and the Bible says, the scripture says he, he has to relieve himself. So he has to, now all of us were questioning, it's like, okay, how in the world did they climb up there? Now, this is thousands of years, so erosion may have happened. So this might have been taller at, at one point. But David goes in the cave, and we all know the story where Paul or Saul and his men were sleeping, and David got up and cut the hem of his garment, and God just really um, got a hold of him. But right here in these caves is where that took place. But the amazing thing is, you can keep going through those slides. You'll see, a, I think, a few more. You know, you got Kenya, and you just see that it just goes for miles and miles. There's waterfalls, and that's up and down. You see, see right here, we're going under, uh, following a creek. What this reminds me of is I'm sure David spent a lot of time here. I'm sure there was a lot of times that he, he got away and just, you know, but God took care of him. Even in the midst, being in the desert and everything. God gave David exactly what we need. And I think, okay, you can stop right there. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves now. Or we've crossed in Getty and gone somewhere else now. But this is, you know, when I thought of Israel, this is what I thought of. And when I first came into Israel from Tel Aviv, you won't see this. You won't. You're like, okay, this is not what I thought of Israel. But when we got down to here, um, I don't think that's not what it is. 
but I think that's part of the Dead Sea Scrolls area. But uh, forgive me, my pictures kind of blew up, so I had to um, anyway. But going and going back to Engedi, it was a reminder that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're doing, God gives us just enough what we need. You know, it, it's it, it's 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 kind of mind blowing because you got all this rock, and it's not even really grass. You got all this rock, and then you got this straight stretch of nothing but grass. You got purified water run. I'm like, that's how God is, and that's how God care of the people here, and that's how God takes care of us today. All right, you can go to the next one. I'm trying to make this quick, but. Because I want to try, okay, here he goes. That little hole right there, can anybody tell me what that is? That is a cave. Can anybody tell me what they found there? Dead Sea Scrolls. This is pretty amazing right here because, again, there's, I don't remember how many, there's a bunch of caves like this all all around. They had this one numbered. But, um, again, all right down here, this is considered a wadi going all the way around and all that so in the rainy season that's full of water it normally and that's how they got their water and i'll explain that a little bit differently um this is we actually were going up to in the wadi and climbing a mountain falling right there this is why i said my wife would love that because there's the edge and that's pretty far down and there's no railings but it was fun but it's just honestly these pictures don't even do justice um, and this right here, I, I just, I, I don't know my wife, I came back and said, my wife said, you know, that's my favorite picture of you, but that picture right there means a lot because I want to rewind real quick. I'm going to be honest with you. I was looking forward to Israel. I, I was excited. It was a great opportunity, but my first two days in Israel were a living hell. They were. I didn't understand it. I, I questioned. I said, okay, God, did I make a mistake? Am I not supposed to be here? Or what? What was going on? Now, you know, the time difference is like eight or nine hours between uh, Israel and home. And I remember laying in bed the second night. I couldn't sleep. And I just, I didn't know what was going on. And so I finally said, okay, God, what is what is going on? I've got to have sleep. You see, we did a lot of hiking. I've got to have sleep. I need my energy. I need my stamina and everything. What is going on? And this is what God told me. Satan doesn't want you there. And I immediately got up on my knees, and I said, Satan, Get thee behind me because you're not you're not ruining this trip for me. I texted my wife and in, in Israel when I texted her it was two two fifteen two thirty. I didn't even think of what day it was. I really didn't because by that time I think my days have been running together. I didn't really think what day it was or anything. But wouldn't you know it? It was around seven o'clock p.m. Wednesday. Tosh was with the students, with Matt and Laura. The next morning when I talked to her, she said, the students lifted you up in prayer. And that start of the next morning, 
And uh, you'll see one of the pictures here in a minute of the, the guy. His name's Randy, Rand, Randy Alonzo. He works with GTI. He's been a pastor for 30, 40 years. And um, yes, please hold that one. Do not change that one. Uh, but he, he, and the one thing I liked about this t- trip, every morning we started with devotions. We started with a, with a short word before we broke out. I mean, it was, God was so over this trip. But he, he shared a verse with me that God knew I needed that verse. And from then on, it was like, and going back to that picture where I was standing, it was like, I'm free. Satan, you don't got a hold of me. I'm going to learn something here. So that picture, I'm probably going to frame it so you may see it more, but but there's a lot of meaning behind that picture and everything. Uh, go to the next picture. This is a very interesting picture that you were just at. Oh, not that one. That one right there. We were sitting on top of, sitting, we were standing on top of, uh, uh, oh, what's that? I can't think of it. We're sitting on a mountain. Um, Arbel, sorry, Mount Arbel. We climbed it. Um, you can't really tell, but it's, it was kind of a raining that day. But right here, there's a pathway. It's not very visible right there. But this is called um, the Via del Maras. How many of you know what the Via del Maras is? The Via del Maras is the road that Christ would have walked from city to city. And this is, this is the pathway. We're, we're, we're up on the mountain here. But this is the Via del Maras. You can barely see it right there. But this is the road, the pathway that he would walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem to wherever he was going. But the train, I mean, we think about when we read the Bible, that oh, they just went to the next city. Oh, that's flat. No, there's hills right there. There's mountains right there. It's not. Mac and Terry and everybody's been to Israel know if you've been, I know Terry and uh, Jackie have been, know, they know the train. That it's not necessarily easy train or easy terrain to walk, and so it puts into perspective. And a day's journey, I figured out. We figured out it's about 26 miles. One day's journey. So when you read the Bible and it says a one day's journey, two days journey, it, it's a one day journey equals out about 26 miles. I mean that's a good trek. And and another story, students that were here, you know, we we're talking about. Um, the Good Samaritan this morning traveling from the road to Jericho or Jerusalem to Jericho, this would have been the type of train that he was walking on. So you can understand why there were bandits out there to rob him and everything. So, you know, seeing all this stuff and experiencing all this, it really sheds light and brings the scriptures to life in a mighty, mighty powerful way. All right, next picture. This next picture is, uh, oh, okay, it kind of, what happened to the Jordan? Oh, well, I can talk about this. This, I believe, was, uh, this is all over Israel. Places like this are all over Israel. Um, I believe this was either in uh, Corinth, or not Corinth, um, uh, Capernaum or uh, Chorazin. Uh, yeah, I know there's two C's. They're pretty close to uh, together, but um, I don't remember if this is Corinth or not, but one thing about it is, is these are the type of places that Jesus would have been in with his disciples, meeting, teaching, and stuff like that. So you can continue going. So, I mean, interesting uh, architecture. There's the Jordan. Yes, that is the Jordan. Many pictures you see from the Jordan River is not. Oh, and the reason why I like this one, 
is because if you read where Jesus went to when Jesus was baptized, he came from where? Anybody remember? Bethany. That's Bethany right over there, right just right over there across that. I believe it's Bethany. I could be wrong. Terry, am I wrong? Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's, 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 it starts with a B. But I'm pretty sure he came from uh, the, the area right over here and, uh, and then crossed over here, and then that would have been Jericho right there. And so right, I'm not saying it was right in this vicinity, but we were, th- we're, we were within, you know, a couple hundred yards from where Jesus was baptized. And the significant about this, the story that was told, um, and lot, every time we went and sat out of sight, there was a story that was told. Again, it just brought, but this one right here, I, I guess you call it one of my favorites because it really ties in the Old Testament with the New Testament. What do we know that happened in, in the Jordan River? Three things happened in the Jordan River. The cost of who crossed it? Israelites, okay. Who else crossed it? Elijah and Elisha. And then who else showed up? Jesus was John the Baptist. You see, we see, uh, you know, this, this particular river started when, uh, before the children of Israel crossed into the, came into the land of Canaan. They had to go across this river, and God parted the waters. And then we see Elijah and Elisha come, two prophets who God had sent. And then later, we see Jesus come. And Jesus was a picture of coming, you know, fulfilling, fulfilling prophecy. Everything that Elijah and Elisha had talked about and preached about. So in this particular moment, it's almost like, you know, a 400-yard uh, relay or whatever, you pass the baton. It started with the children of Israel, with Moses. And then it passed to Elijah and Elisha. And then it passed on to Jesus. And Jesus came after he fulfilled all the Old Testament and he picked it up and kept going. So I love that, that picture and the story that was told here because it brings the Old Testament and New Testament together. And, and so, and it's like a continuation. You know, yeah, there's like uh, five, 400, 500, 600 years between Malachi and Matthew. But when Jesus comes on the scene, it's like he brings that Old Testament and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the work I'm doing. So there you go. I, this is what I love. And yes, that is what... Um, the Jordan River looks like. This is Corinth. I remember that. This is, or not, I'm sorry, this is Capernaum. This is Capernaum. I get those. They're, they're, they're close together. Huh? Stay in Israel. Of course, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm even saying Corinth. Corinth is in Turkey. <laughs> Two totally different countries. But yeah, Corazin is what I'm trying to say. But Corazin and uh, Capernaum, they're, they're right there close to each other. But one thing I like, this is, this is the, the, I mean, the, it, it's amazing of all these years how they still have this stuff intact and how they can still, and they're still digging. Uh, well, I'll show you something uh, uh, on Cesare Martini that they just uncovered. Um, but this was the synagogue in Capernaum. Everybody knows who Capernaum is. That was the headquarters of where Jesus had his ministry. We got to walk around. And when I walked around there, I was just overcome knowing that 
you know, Jesus taught there. How many times did he go there and teach and speak and read Scripture? I mean, it's just, you know, when you read the Scriptures and, he's, and he, he, he walked in the synagogue and he pulls out a scroll right here. Now, it had a roof on it back then, but still, just amazing stuff. All right, you can continue going. See what next one. Um, this is more ruins. This right here, I know Mac and Cherry had asked me about that, and I didn't, I don't, I had a picture. Underneath that is Peter's house. Underneath that, this is a museum now, but yeah, underneath it goes all the way around the, the underside of that. That is Peter's house. Um, Peter, the disciple, the one who, um, yeah, often opened his mouth, insert foot, that, and they put a museum right there. So, but then again, these are also ruins of cities and you know a lot of times in the story of these ruins oftentimes when you know you had a, a husband and wife um, that were married like Abraham and Sarah when their son would get married like Isaac or whatever get married to go get a bride well guess what they did they'd add on to it and guess what when the family kept growing they keep adding and adding and adding and adding and, and so it's just Learning all that, it's amazing. When you go back and read the Old Testament and how they went and prepared their homes, you know, I can imagine when Isaac was preparing to to marry, you know, he went back with Abraham and, you know, I said, hey, Dad, what do I need to do? Help me out. Help me out. How do I need to start? And, and so it's just stuff like that you don't always see in the Bible, but it, it's it's amazing of how you do it. All right, you can keep going, Matt. I know I'm talking a lot. This was uh, Caper uh, Capernaum again. Uh, just got a picture of that goofy bought guy. It's proof that I was in Israel, okay? <laughs> that I was there. But uh, just, uh, just another picture of, of, of being there around where Jesus stood. Okay, I had to show this. This started as a ball right here. And right there, that's some good stuff. That's, I think that's a pomegranate jelly. Um, anyway. Well, we went to uh, a place, uh, I forgot the name of it, but they, they, they kind of taught us the way they lived. How, if, if you were back then in the Bible days, um, this is bread. This is how they make the bread. They, they, they get the flour, they make it and all that, and it's a lot of work. You'll see another picture. And actually, I didn't tell my boys this, but I put their initials in that before I cooked it, and then I ate it with a... Uh, <laughs> pomegranate jelly and everything else on it but uh but this is this was kind of a life we kind of went through and see there it is with the butter and the, or whatever sour i don't know what it's some white stuff i don't know if it was real <laughs> butter but it was good uh but we put it on and i think there's another picture of it, of it frying and uh but it was just we were able to experience what they did in life this was uh, part of their home you know this is where probably like the fire pit and everything where they cook, where the w w women cook oftentimes, and um, you can keep going. I'll talk fast as uh, this right here is, uh, okay, I don't know, I got this out of order. But this is a home kind of like, uh, and anybody recognize this story? Yeah, the paralytic man was, he had some amazing friends that lowered from the roof. This would have been kind of the, the, the setting that this was in. And very, very dark. We had to have lights uh, just to uh, get that picture taken. But that would have been the type of roof. And, and it was very close. I think I have another picture. I don't know if it's the next or not. Um, 
and by the way, we got to dress up too, so you see us. But that's kind of a, we were all kind of jammed into that. Well, there was about 67 of us in there, so kind of pretty surreal because the house was packed anyway. So, but that's the kind of the house setting where that story that Jesus tells uh, or that we hear about of his four friends lowering down the paralytic man, and that was that. So this right here, that's Randy Moss I was telling you about earlier. This right here, this was up at Tell Dan. That was just recently uncovered, hasn't been untouched, and that is what they call Abraham's Gate that we read about. That right there, and, you know, a lot of gates, if you go over there, there's uh, – I realize how many gates are in the Bible. I mean, just around Jerusalem itself, there's, man, there's a lot of gates. But even going back in the Old Testament, there's a lot of gates, Solomon's gates and everything. But, and a gate, it wasn't always this way. It could have just been an opening in, in the wall or something. But, yeah, that is what they called Abraham gates. And I was just like, it was amazing that that was still there. But I got a picture of that. That was up at Tel Dan, I believe. Uh, you can continue on. This, oh my goodness, Mac just preached on this one Sunday night. This was one of my favorite places. You know what this place is, don't you? You will by the next picture. No. This is uh, Caesarea Philippi. This, honestly, was, it was pretty remarkable. When you read the story of, that I'm fixing to go over, you can share the next slide. I think it's there. I hope, it, I hope it's right. Yes. All right, this right here, it's all rubbled now, but Caesarea Philippi, you must understand, and you, when, you, when you visit Israel, and if you go on a guide, they're going to tell you, but you've got to understand, you've got to look at Israel through, through the Roman government, because r at this time, in, when the Bible, was written, uh, most, the Bible was written, they were under Roman rule, and so everything that you looked and saw had some Roman entity tied to it. And Caesarea Philippi, if you do the study on it, this is where Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? But if you do a backstory, the Jews weren't allowed to go here. In fact, it was forbidden for Jews to go here. So in my mind, you know, I like, in my opinion, the disciples, when Jesus has come here, and he asks the disciples, the disciples are like, Jesus, do you know what this place is? We shouldn't be here. Let's go. You know, the disciples were human too. But the story about this rubble is this was a very paganistic place. It had three temples built to uh, Zeus, um, Zeus, Apollo, and Pan. Pan gods. These were all uh, Greek gods that the Romans worshipped. Uh, Pan itself was, a, uh, I think it was the god of sexual immorality and all that. So pretty much this area got the, 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 uh, the I guess the, what, what attached to it, I can't think of. But kind of when this, when this came to mind and people would say, oh, this is where you can go and get anything you want, do anything you want to do. Pretty much it's, I, I, I kind of call it like Las Vegas of the Bible. It was Sin City. Whatever you wanted, you went and got. And so that's why the Jews stayed away from it. But saying all that to say this, when you hear that, and then you hear what Jesus asked his disciples, who does everybody say that I am? And what they answer? Some say John the Baptist, some say a prophet. Who do you say that I am? 
he was asking his disciples in the middle of what I'm going to call the Las Vegas of the Bible, Sin City, and he asked his disciples. And what did Peter say? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And what did Christ say? Scroll to the next one, Matt. Leave it right there. And Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In those days, that was the gates of hell leading down to Zeus. You see, that's what excites me right there. Yes, not the gates of hell, but when, you, when you're talking about the Bible and you hear this, you see this, it brings so much more power to it. You know, Jesus was in the middle of a paganistic community. I mean, this was Caesarea Philippi. This was uh, named after Philip's son, or uh, Caesar's Herod's son, Philip. Uh, he had three sons. One of them was named Philip. This was Philip's domain. This is where he set up his uh, rule and reign here. This was his kind of, I guess, capital city here. But even in the midst of all that, Jesus comes up and says, who do you say I am? In the middle of what I would call Sin City, who do you say that I am? It, to me, it just, and right here, that is the original part of the floor from one of the temples that was there. Um, pretty amazing stuff. You can scroll on along. There might be some few other pictures. Oh, there's a blank picture. Oh, I had to get my head up in there. But uh, but I just, I saw that and I was like, wow. You keep scrolling. I've talked all I said about that. Okay. This right here is Caesarea Martini. Or Martini. Caesarea Maritini. I can't even say it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do what? Okay. Okay, this right here, um, go back to that. We'll just remember that picture because there's a, I think there's an important. That's a, that's a dig that they just uncovered. This right here, it was at uh, Caesarea Maritimiama, I just want to say. But this is actually an inscription they found, a rock they found. Uh, there was a long period of time, you know, Pontius Pilate, you know, was in the Bible, but they had no proof of his existence. Literally, even because in the Roman world, Pontius Pilate was a, was a nobody. And, but they came across this, and of course we can't read it because it's in, uh, I don't remember if it's in Latin or, or what, but it's a different language. But that has Pontius Pilate's name on it. So it, it's proof that, that Pontius Pilate was alive. There was a lot of d people that, uh, you know, spectated that he wasn't a real man, thus saying the Bible was false. Because... Guess what? Pilate's in the Bible, isn't he? Talks about, you know, him being the main guy that crucified Jesus. And so a lot of people were, were saying, this guy's wrong. This guy doesn't exist. And so when they found this, there's actually, there's actually uh, two of these, I believe. Uh, one's in the museum there and this one. Um, but it's proof that Pontius Pilate was, in fact, a, a Roman citizen and a... Um, you know, on the Roman courts and everything, and that, you know, it verified, you know, those people that say, oh, he didn't exist, the Bible's false, 
right there is proof. Proof that he is alive or that he did live, and it's proof that the Bible is real. You can go on to the next one. It's stuff like that that I found amazing. Uh, this is um, Caesarea. I'm going to get that name. Give me a. Maritimia. Caesarea, Caesarea Maritimia. This is a seaport. That's the Mediterranean Sea you're looking at. Uh, this is the seaport of, of one of the Caesarea, uh, Caesar's sons deal. And uh, this is also where um, Peter, or no, yeah, Peter. Peter was, uh, you know, the, I think it was in the, I forget what book, the book is evading me right now. This is where Peter was put on trial and uh, where he was uh, thrown into prison and all that. So um, you can scroll through the next picture. I think there was actually, I took a picture. Okay. Yeah, I think right around there it was actually the actual, what they call the steps that, he would have stood and all that. Uh, but that picture I said before that it looked like a big hole in the wall, they just uncovered that. And like we said, they that was, you know, where Peter stood on trial. And they are believing, they're in the process of digging under it, but they are believing this is where Peter was imprisoned. And so they have yet to go and confirm that, but they are they're they are thinking that uh, as they go under there, they're going to see some type of jail cells and stuff like that. So that's a, a new dig that they just recently, actually an electrician, he threw a copper rod and it went all the way. He he, he, he lost three of them. You know, they're like 10 foot long. Uh, and he lost three of them and they started digging and they found that. So that's another picture of looking Cesare, uh Maritime and good sunset. This right here is where we were going into the city of Jerusalem. This is actually a replica of the whole city of Jerusalem. And so we came here first to try to get um, where everything's at and everything. And, of course, all around here you got gates if you study the city of Jerusalem and all that. But it, it was kind of, of, a, of a way as we journeyed through Jerusalem, we spent three uh, to understand kind of, of on a larger scale where we were at compared to uh, that grid. But go ahead, next one. Jerusalem, I can actually say, was my least favorite place. Uh, <clears throat> and I'll explain that a little bit. This is a um, this is what we call, I don't know if many of y'all know it, but this was uh, another um, city, if you want to call, of Herod's called Herodian. This was set up on the mountain, and that was at one time, I think they said, up to uh, 150 feet. But, you know, it's almost down to rubble now. But, you know, this is another, it's overlooking the mountain. You can continue going on. A lot of history in the, this is overlooking Herodian, uh, just in this area. One thing I like about, about this, and I think this is why I took this picture, right over here is going to be, uh, I think it's Bethlehem in this vicinity. I think I could be wrong. It might be another side. But we're standing on top of uh, a Herod's big uh, palace, and, and we know that Herod did everything he did was great. Thing he did, he threw all kind. He was he had all the money he could. He 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 did great things from it. Um, but in this area, Herodian was this monster of a city on the top of a mountain. And when I say top of a mountain, um, this particular day I think is when I did uh, close. To, what did I say? Forty stories. That's how. But we went. We went. It was a nice climb up there as far as steps. So it's pretty high. But the one thing about it, and one of the speakers is, is he is speaking is. We had this great, magnificent king, you know, here, 
displaying his earthly beauty and everything when just a few, you know, just a city away or a village away, the king of kings was born. He was born in a small stable under the limelight of this great King Herod. But where is this king today versus where our king is? And, you know, seeing all this and understanding the Roman occupation and everything, it's just, I can see why the Jews, when Jesus did come on the scene, I could see why they said, okay, our Messiah is here. He's going to overthrow Roman. He's going to overthrow. We're going to be away from these Roman. I mean, because they, honestly, it was everywhere. It was it, it come into their culture. It was their everyday life, and they were, honestly, a lot of them were sick and tired of it. And so Jesus did come upon the scene, even though he came and was born under the shadow of Herod. And then when they didn't, when he didn't overthrow Herod, when he didn't do meet their expectations, we see another reason why they turned his, turned his back on him. You can continue on that. This is um, in Jerusalem. We're in Jerusalem, actually in Bethlehem here. Uh, this is called, um, the, this is, uh, oh, I can't think of it. Church of the Nativity. Yes. I took a picture of that bell tower because I like the bell towers. This is the front where we went in. I was really heartbroken at this. Because, like I said, Jerusalem was one of my least favorite places to be. It's, and I know Mac warned me before I, I left, it's very commercialized. But, um, and it is very commercialized. And you go on to the next slides, we'll go in and see. And there's literally three churches. There's a, bit, um, um, a Greek Orthodox church, there's a Roman Catholic church, and there's an um, uh, Armenian church sitting on top. Uh, hold that picture right there, sitting on top of these of this the site where Jesus was born. But right on, we went underground quite a ways, and they're saying right behind this wall somewhere is about where the place of Jesus' birth took place. And so, yes, I, I, I like that that I was that close, but then again, when you see all the other, the worldly stuff on top of it, it's hard to enjoy. So continue on that. <laughs> I think there is another, this is one of the churches that's sitting on top of it. You can see it's real gaudy and, you know, money's in it and everything. Uh, it's just, I was really heartbroken, you know, because this is the place where my Savior was born. But yet Satan has, and, and you could see in, in my journey through Israel, you could see where Satan did everything in his power to put away Jesus, to shut Jesus down. But it gets exciting in the end. Continue on. This is the Wailing Wall, or Western Wall, however you want to look at it. Um, got to experience this. Uh, you can continue on. Uh, this section right here, um, that is for the women only. They do have it split up. Uh, women go here, and the men go there. It's just the way they do things there. And so we had to, even ourselves, we were able to go to the wall, and we got to pray. And, you know, I know these Jews... They don't know who they're praying to. They're putting prayer requests on walls and everything. But it's a privilege and honor to be able to go to that wall 
and lift up prayer to our Heavenly Father, praying for those around us. Say, God, may your Holy Spirit come alive to these people. May their eyes be open. You can continue on. Um, I'll show you. I mean, they, they take, okay, I didn't show it. All right, this here, of course, that's the Dome of the Rock. And I didn't really care about, okay, that picture right there, you know, that's, that's an Orthodox Jew right there. Um, he's at the Wailing Wall, and he's sitting there reading. And these Orthodox Jews, they've got to go there several times a day to the Wailing Wall. That's what they, their belief is. And there's another picture, I think, of another guy praying or doing it right there. And then there's another picture of children, all boys, right there. All those are children. And you got to understand in the Israeli culture, uh, from like five years old till I think it's 12, maybe 10, uh, they, you know, they learn. They learn the Hebrew Scriptures. They memorize the first five books of the of the um, Old Testament, the Pentateuch, and a lot. Of, I took a video of it, but they're singing here, and that's how often they learn it. They learn the song, and then that's how they learn, memorize the Pentateuch, is that it's just a daily, constant thing. Okay, you can go back to the Dome of Rock. City of David, yeah, that's coming up next. This is the Dome of the Rock, and honestly, this doesn't mean nothing to me. Uh, because this was the place of the temple, the Muslims took it over um, and put the Dome of the Rock in. The, the best description that I can give you that one of the pastors there on the tour said, this is a middle finger to God. And that's pretty much what the Muslims are doing. And also in the same vicinity, actually right there in that same vicinity, a week, a couple days later after I returned, we uh, heard about uh, a terrorist that had actually went into a synagogue and killed, and he took his picture right here in that vicinity before he did it. So, um, but that's that. You can go back to the, or go to the city of David. And it was uh, interesting about the city of David. Uh, it's kind of a city within itself. So when you hear about, um, you know, Jesus, you know, you know, in, in, the, in the announcement of his uh, of arrival being born, he said, today in a town of da a city of David, a Savior is born. Well, this is what they're referring to, city of David right here. Uh, but it's pretty cool. It's kind of a, I mean, it's a city within a city, but you can continue on. And uh, somebody's got a rock from there. I won't tell you who. Uh, this right here, uh, city of David did not have water. Actually, there was a... Um, there was a, um, a spring, a very good spring outside the city, but they had walled it up. And so, so what happened was they had to get the water into the city of David, and it was done through this. This is what we call the Hezekiah Tunnels. That water is constantly flowing into the city of David, and that's how they, and you get the tunnel. It's like 500, or five, yeah, 500 yards long, and that's how about tight it is all the way through. And it goes from your knee, about water to your knees to about mid-shin all the way through. But you can keep strolling through these. <laughs> it was a cool experience. You can see how tight it is. There were times doing it with a backpack was very hard <laughs> because you had to duck a lot. I mean, you could see I'm, I'm ducking there. But um, I don't know why that guy keeps popping up in these pictures. But anyway, but then you can see there's some places that it's, it's, it's pretty tall. It goes all the way up. You can see the gates right there, and it goes all, all the way up. But uh, also, the story behind this is they had 
only a small time to build this, you know, because uh, I forgot who it was, but somebody was about to invade them, and they had to build these tunnels to, you know, get water so that because what was happening is they were going to close off the water supply, and so they had to get a way to funnel water into the city of David so they could still have water, and so they had, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, somebody said they had six, eight months to do this, up to about a year to do it, so that's a lot of that you go 500 yards imagine the dust i mean it's just amazing but it's cool to experience it walk it um i think there's a couple more pictures of it oh okay you gotta stop there this was one of my favorite places this is the mount of olives you see the temple mount right there you see the wall of jerusalem right there and if you see right here can anybody tell me what that is right there? My, my hands are shaking, that little eastern gate. Somebody said it. Max said it. That's no fair. He'd been there, seen it before. <laughs> this is the eastern gate. That gate is walled up. It's stoned up. It's, you can't get through it. But if, if uh, my Bible's correct, your Bible's correct too. We all have to share the same Bibles. It says in Zechariah that one day that God's going to step in this mountain. This mountain's going to split. And I think there's going to be a, a, a shift in the earth and everything. All this is going to be torn up. And I believe that gate's going to be open. And he's going to walk up and he's going to reclaim right there where the Dome of the Rock is. Sitting right here. And also, I, I, I want to tell you. Satan wants God dead, okay? Walled up the eastern gate. They put up the uh, Dome of the Rock right here. And right in front of this, right in front on this side of the city, guess what that is? It is a Muslim graveyard. You can, that's a better picture. That's a, the eastern gate right there, Dome of the Rock. That is all Muslim graveyard right in front of it. Satan knew what he was doing. And, you know, over there, you know, you don't mess with, uh, you don't mess with uh, graveyards and stuff. That's, that's, that's a big no-no over there. So, especially with the Muslim culture, you just didn't do that. But know this. That graveyard ain't stopping Jesus. Those stones in that eastern gate ain't stopping Jesus. One day soon, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to march right up in that, through that gate again. If you don't believe it, go read it in that Zechariah. It tells you all about it. I would read it for you, but i got some pictures to show you. <laughs> go on to the next one. All right, this is, I had to put some pictures up of it, but this is part of the Via Della Rosa. Um, wasn't very impressed about it. And just for the simple fact that I don't know if this is the real Via Della Rosa. In fact, several uh, pastors I was talking to, they didn't know because where the, if you, if, if I took you back to the, where the, the, the model of the wall was <clears throat> and where Jesus more and less was tried, it was on the outskirts of the wall or at a corner of a wall. Um, and knowing what we know about Jerusalem or Israel, the, the culture there, is uh, to have thieves come in the middle of the city that are blood, they're considered unclean. 
So that's why I say that, but I wanted to show pictures of it. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it is or not, but you know, there are, there are some people that believe that he was taken outside of the city. And plus this, this, the Via Della Rosa we went to did not lead up to Golgotha. So, um, you can continue going, but I just wanted to throw some pictures in there. This is a continuation of it. You can slide through these. There it is again, the Via Della Rosa. Long. City's crowded. So I took a lot more pictures than I thought I did of it. Right, they did. Okay. This is, that one was kind of the marketplace. Very, very packed, very, very busy. Um, and everybody wanting to sell everything. Okay, this is what we call the uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This right here is a sad moment. That is a uh, that right there is a slab of marble that they believe that when they took Jesus off the cross, they laid him on that. And there's people, all those people right there. I, I barely got up close enough to get a picture, but there's all those people and there are are throwing things on it, you know, worshiping it. In other words. A lot of the Jews, and you know, I just, I was just kind of blown away and taken back by that. But uh, this particular site didn't impress me. Um, there's places where they saw, you know, one side of it is where Jesus was buried, one side of it was where Jesus was crucified. But if you do the history, and I, there's a book I, I want to get that the guy mentioned, but one of the the reason why the Crusades started up and happened was there were certain uh, emperors who came in and started bulldozing, um, you know, these holy sites down. And so that's why we have a lot of the Crusades. Um, you hear the stories about the Crusades. But it is recorded that the, I believe it's the, the burial place of Jesus Christ was taken down to bedrock. So to this day, I don't think it exists. I, I could be wrong, but according to history, I don't know. Um, so, but then again, this, this whole place, it was packed. People wanting to touch rocks. I saw people bringing, um, scarfs, throwing it on pictures and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, you could have so much more if you just understand that Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He, he's already come and he's fixing to come back again real soon. So you can continue on. I'm trying to hurry up. I don't know how many more pictures I have. Um, this right here is interesting. I took a picture of this because um, it brings, when it talks about Jesus being the chief cornerstone, um, that's a, that's a, I mean, you have every other rock is a, a pretty much a cornerstone here. But oh, these are estimated to weigh over 500,000 pounds, cornerstones. That's pretty massive. And these particular ones may not, but there there are some that we were in under, uh, that were um, we had went down in some tunnels to some of the original sites, and literally it was from there that wall to that wall, one solid rock, and um, if not longer, and it was it was pretty massive. But I, I saw this, and because it it wraps around the corner just as long as it is there, but it kind of gives you an increment. You know, when you talk about, when it talks about the scripture of Jesus being the cornerstone, um, you know, kind of gives you a little bit more in depth. These are, there's that guy again. 
Uh, we're sitting uh, on the southern steps. Uh, can anybody tell me what the southern steps represent? Any idea? The southern steps is supposedly where the church was first commissioned because you go up the southern steps and right in, on the other side of that wall was where the temple was. So when the, the, the first church started, when the day of Pentecost happened, uh, it, they, they say, and it actually, because I was like, okay, wait a minute, that's not what I've always read, but I went and read the scripture, and it refers to something about the steps, the front steps or the courtyard or something, and they went up there, they, start, they were sitting out there, like wondering what to do, waiting, you know, Jesus says, don't leave the city, wait, and then that's where it happened, but that's an essentially where the first, the, the first church, where the Holy Spirit fell, started. You can go on to the next, I don't know how many I've got. I might have to skip through a bunch. That's a wine press, uh, or not a wine press, grape press, I'm sorry. That's where they mush grapes. You can keep going. Um, ooh, what is that? Oh, this is, uh, that's going back to the first picture. That's kind of the first day we started, um, kind of the garden area looking up where everything was growing and everything. You can go past that. I want to get to one. Okay, I got to tell you this story real quick. This is, um, what mountain are we talking about? Uh, uh, Zecca. Anybody knows where this took place? Remember, have you ever heard of a, a Zecca? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. This, that, this was the mountain of Zecca. This right here is David and Goliath would have fought. This right here that was a Zecca. Over here would have been, coming up here, would have been Gath, where, da, where Goliath came up and probably maybe had a headquarters, and they had the Philistines camped on around, all the way around here. The Israelites would have camped around here, and then somewhere in this region uh, is where David and Goliath would have met and battled, and we know that David won. So go on to the next picture. There may be a few pictures of this. That's uh, one of the leaders just talking to us about the story. Keep on going. That's another picture. You can keep on going. Just You can scroll through these real quick. A little bit more clear picture of how big that valley is right there. And see how green and lush it is? And there's that guy again. Yeah. All right. This is uh, one of the many cisterns they had. I'll speak on this real quick. Um, you know, they didn't really have fresh water, so they had to build cisterns that housed water. Otherwise, they would run out. But this was one. This was actually one that we actually sang at, and it was beautiful and amazing. You can continue going. How many more pictures do I got? Man, a lot. <laughs> you can see how big some of those cisterns are. And that hole up top, that's how they got, it, got in and out before they actually opened this one up. Okay, this right here is one of my favorite places. I'm going to tell about this real quick. Um, another, we actually went out to a Bedouin village and um, got to ride camel rides and everything. But this right here, like I said, the village is kind of right here around there. But other than that, it's surrounded by desert. Um, this is where they think that David wrote and penned Psalm 23. Now, you understand that Psalms 23 says, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters um, and, you know, fields and stuff, grassy fields, but you don't see grassy fields. 
Remember, one thing I learned about Israel, in Israel is that God gives you just enough what you need. And we went on a camel ride. You can keep scrolling. We did go on a camel ride, which I don't suggest you do. Um, you're on your own if you do. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, we went on a camel ride, and we went on the camel ride. What in this desert is, is there's patches of green grass. And I'm telling you, it's green grass. There's uh, me and a guy that were riding a camel. But as we were riding the camel, um, that's a tent. They, they just kind of treated us they, with hospitality, fed us with tea and bread. But uh, hold that thought right there. But on that camel ride, we got to see the green, the patches of green grass. And what would happen is when the shepherds would lead the sheep, they would lead them. They would know where the green grasses were. They knew where the waters was. And so it was, a, it was just a, a reminder of, you know, as Jesus is leading us, he's leading us through life. He knows what we need, and he takes us where we need. And so this is the Dead Sea. It looks like, hey, there's some palm trees right there. Those are date palms right there. This is the Dead Sea. Hey, it's dead. Okay? And it is ever getting smaller and smaller. Um, you can continue scrolling. You can go, go fast through these. Uh, that's a picture of us fixing to jump into the Dead Sea with mud. There's mud. There's that guy again. Hey, I, th that mud right there, they sell that. You can get online and buy that stuff. That is mud off the Dead Sea. They actually, uh, sp it, it, it's, it's facial cleanser and stuff like that. You can continue going on. I don't have the picture. Hold that one right there. I don't have the picture where I was floating in the Dead Sea. I have one, but uh, I sent it to my wife just for proof. You can't sink in the Dead Sea. You, you literally can't. And if you walk out far enough, I mean, it, I think it's 150 feet deep. You walk out far enough, you'll just keep standing as you keep going. Uh, and you won't be able to touch the bottom. But it, it was a pretty cool experience. This right here was the highlight of the trip. Guess where I'm at? Yes, but it's not called a sea, even though it is called a sea. Is, and if you go refer to the Sea of Galilee to the Israelis, what? That's not a sea? <laughs> but anyway, it's also referred to in the Bible as Lake Gennesaret or something like that. I, I can't pronounce that name. Am I right? Gennesaret, yeah. But anyway, I was the stern of the boat, front of the boat, and this particular picture, um, we had a, ref a reflection time, a quiet time. It had rained. Uh, it was kind of cool that day, but you can go through the other pictures. But this is where I, I was just praying to the Lord. Oh, not that way, the other way. You just wanted, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is uh, our bell in the background, the mountain we climbed, where supposedly uh, this could have been one of the mountains that Jesus escaped to, to get away when he went and quietly prayed. But... Sea of Galilee is calm. There's a sunset. We were right there. I got a few pictures of the sunset. And, you know, in the story of the Sea of Galilee, you know, a lot of times when we hear about Galilee, we hear about the storms. And honest to goodness, we were joking. A bunch of us guys were joking. We said, okay, it's been raining. We're going to the Sea of Galilee. We're praying for a storm. And, and, and you can see why the storms come up. You see those mountains? It, it, they, surround, they surround that Sea of Galilee, so you can see why the storms come up. But a lot of times what we miss when we read the Scripture, the disciples were worried. They are freaking out. Jesus was in the boat with them at the stern of the boat. And Jesus gets up and says, peace be still. That right there. Peace be still. I got to experience. I didn't get to experience the storm, 
I got to experience the peace on the Sea of Galilee. That was pretty amazing. Um, there's only a few more pictures, isn't there? You made extra ones. Oh, I don't need, oh, oh, there you go. He made some verses, but um, verses everywhere. But I encourage you. First of all, I want to thank you guys for giving me the privilege to go to Israel. Um, Mac has told me that I encourage every pastor to, I want to take it a step further. I encourage every born-again believer, if you can go to Israel, go. Because it will literally change your life. And there, there's a lot of things I didn't get to see, um, you know, but to go and be able to experience everything about being in Israel, it's literally life-changing. I, I, even my studies, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it just it brings God's word to life in a, a, a new way. You know, talking about Caesarea Philippi, you know, and honestly, some sometimes when we study the Bible to really know what's going on, we got to study a little bit about the, the the Roman history that was going on during that time, and it really opens up. Um, there's Ezekiel talking about, um, but uh, really amazing place. Um, I don't know if Pastor wants me to share this or not, but. Um, I do plan on going back. <laughs> I do plan on going back. I plan on taking my family back, hopefully someday soon. Um, I, I haven't really started right now, but the whole idea for pastors, you know, that this was a pastor's tour that we went on. The whole idea was for pastors to come. It wasn't for us to remain quiet about it. It wasn't for us to just to sit on it and study it. It was for us to come back and tell you guys. It was also for us to come back and say, hey, if you want to come. Now, I'm not doing a sales pitch or anything. But in the near future, um, Mac and I have been talking about it. And um, we we'll, might have a sign-up sheet after we, we might talk some more about it. But in the near future, I believe there's going to be a chance. If you want to go, you want to experience some of these places that I experienced. If you want to experience the Holy Land like I did, like what it says in the Bible, then you know, be thinking about it, be praying about it, and um, here in the next near future, hopefully, we're, we're going to start preparing to another trip to go uh, and take about 30 people, possibly. If we can't, we can possibly join another church, but that's all whatever. But if you want to be a part of it, if you want to experience what we experienced, I'll be going, trust me. <laughs> but... Um, Pray about it. Begin praying about it. And if you do, start hitting up uh, Pastor Mac. Uh, let me know. And uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get something in the works. But that's one of my favorite pictures there, too. You know, the sunset on the Sea of Galilee. But I'm telling you, you know, I knew, I knew the Bible was real. I knew Jesus was real. But when you step foot in the very land that Jesus walked, Words just don't describe. They don't. Like I said, I could sit here for hours and tell you some things. But you know what? Pray about it. Maybe you'll get to experience those things one day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. Father, once again, I thank you for this opportunity that you allowed me to share just a little bit of my story with the church. 
the story of where you walked, the story of where you taught, the very stories that as we read in scriptures of even being on the Sea of Galilee when Peter stepped out of that boat and walked on the water for a little bit, where you calmed those same waters in that Sea of Galilee. Father, what an experience that was. But Father, what a better experience is to see your very word come alive in a whole new way. And Father, I just pray that as I shared my story, let these people here just get a catch a glimpse of what it is. And Father, if you want them to go, then Father, I pray you put it on their heart and you just work everything out. Father, be with us now. As we get ready to go home, Father, keep us safe. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Got anything else? Y'all are dismissed. You're welcome.